Hey, Timothy, what do you call 50 lawyers buried up to their chins in sand? Uh, well, I don't know, David Allen. What do you call 50 lawyers buried up to their chins in sand? Not enough sand. Because you would have buried them all away! Because they're lawyers! Nobody likes lawyers! I do want to point out that you are a much more receptive audience to my initial story than Melissa ever has been. She seems, if I didn't know better, it'd be almost <laughs> like she didn't like for me to tell her these sorts of stories. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to LSAT Kung Fu from Velocity LSAT. I am Dave Hall, as always. And this morning, I am joined by none other than the illustrious, the definitive, <laughs> Timothy Hall. That's right. I define what it means to be a Timothy Hall. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to just ask, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more later. And uh, Timothy's my brother. And so we're giving Melissa the week off while we continue in hard-nosed, un bridled fashion. <laughs> That's yes. right. We're riding bareback. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? Not that brothers do. Okay. Not yet. Through the Not second uh, section of uh, Prep Test 30. And today we're on questions 7 <clears throat> through 10. Uh, you ready to do this? Yeah, man. Let's hit it. All right. Question 7. What does question 7 say? Uh, okay, seven says, the drilling proponent's reply to the drilling opponent proceeds by. Do you know, we've, um, you've spent some time around LSAT. Do you, do you know what we call this kind of question? Um, a good one. <laughs> Certainly. It definitely is that. It's a good LSAT question. Yeah, it's a fine LSAT <laughs> question. Uh, I would call this a method question. It's asking uh, us how the proponent's argument proceeds, right? Gotcha. So it wants us to describe the way the argument goes. His process, so to speak. Or hers. Shoot. <laughs> I apologize for my sexism, everybody. So uh, why don't we take a minute and read the two arguments and then we'll talk about them. All right. Okay. So we've only been asked to describe <clears throat> the proponent's argument, mm -hmm. but before we do that, it might help. Mm -hmm. to get a handle on the opponent's argument, since sure. we've got these two people at odds. Uh, what is the opponent's main conclusion? He's, that, that it's not, that, that the oil that you get from off-drill drilling is, is not worth the, uh, the other horrible effects of uh, environmental effects. Yeah. Okay. That the benefits aren't worth the risk yeah. to the environment. And she says that because... Or he. <laughs> Sexist. Because only 4% of the daily oil requirements are, are currently coming from those areas, and we might add only a half of 1%. So it's a tiny benefit, and evidently there's a risk of environmental disaster. Mm -hmm. And the proponent says what? Uh, he says that uh, if you're going to say that, then you should say the same thing about farms. You shouldn't build new farms because... Uh, no single farm can uh, cover the needs of the country for more than a few minutes. Yeah. So when we describe the proponent's argument, like how how would you describe it in a sort of structural way? He builds an analogy? That sounds like a good description to me. Yeah. Right? Okay. So we are looking for an answer choice here that says the proponent's argument works by analogy. Mm. So should I read those now? Sorry, I'm new at this. <laughs> A says, offering evidence in support of drilling. 
that is more decisive than it is than is the evidence offered by the drilling opponent. Did the proponent offer evidence? None. No, not at all. Just, okay. He just offered this analogy. B. B. Claiming that the statistics cited as evidence by the drilling opponent are factually inaccurate. Did she make <clears throat> any claim whatsoever about the statistics? Not at all. Again, it was just that analogy. All right. C. Pointing out that the drilling opponent's argument is a misapplication of a frequently legitimate way of arguing. I think it, it might would... help to think about what that would look like. Right. So it would be, it is possible to argue by enumeration. Yeah. And you say, if it's not A and it's not B and it's not C, then it must be D. Yeah. But, opponent, you have misapplied that technique in this case. You know, that's what we need <clears> to have <throat> the proponent doing. And I don't see that. No. Uh, D, citing is parallel to the argument. Uh, made by the drilling opponent, an argument in which this conclusion is strikingly unsupported. I, I kind of like that one. I like the idea of it being parallel. It would be nice to have the word analogy there. It sure would, but uh, but it's, it's my favorite one so far, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. Um, or E, proposing a conclusion that is more strongly supported by the drilling opponent's evidence. No, again, we're not talking about the drilling opponent's evidence, so that, that's, that can't be it at all. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to guess this one has to be D. Yeah, I think if you're making an analogy, the whole point of an analogy is that it is, in fact, analogous, mm-hmm. you know, and parallel is a is a suitable synonym for that. Yeah. So D is our answer. D is our best answer choice there. Good. Yeah, I like it. All right, number eight? Yes. All right. Which one of the following, if true, most weakens the drilling proponent's reply? So proponents. what kind of question is this? A weakening question. Yes. And the proponent's argument was, you're being ridiculous. Yeah. Opponent, you're Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, it would be just as ridiculous as saying, let's not do farms. Right. Um, What did you notice about Mm -hmm. um, the proponent's argument? I noticed that, like, it seems like the, the opponent is concerned about the environmental effects. And I noticed that the proponent didn't, if I remember right, didn't address that concern at all. At all. Yeah. yeah. The proponent is acting like the opponent had said, just because we're not going to get much oil from them, we right. shouldn't do them. Right, right, but right. But that's it's not, not what the she opponent's said. oil at all. She said, we're not going to get much oil from them, and the risk of environmental disaster right. outweighs the benefit. Yeah. And so the proponent simply doesn't address that whole segment of her argument, right. which is really the crux of it. Mm hmm. So if we want to weaken the proponent's argument, let's point out. Point hey, out that she didn't address. You didn't address. Farm, yeah. All right. So with that in mind, answer choice A. Okay. Answer choice A. New farms do not involve a risk analogous to that run by new offshore drilling. Well, there it is. There's that risk that we're yeah, talking that's about. That's exactly now. what the proponent <clears throat> left out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if A is true and new farms do not involve an analogous risk. Then it's not an analogy. There you go. Yeah. Which All was right. his whole argument. For completion... Let's uh, take a look at these other answer choices. Many of the largest oil deposits are located under land that is unsuitable for farming. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Does that suppose that we it were going to try to oil and drill? it talks about yeah. farms? <laughs> it says those two words. Yeah. Uh, unlike oil, common agricultural products fulfill nutritional needs rather than fuel requirements. Now, structurally, I do like this in its structure mm-hmm. because, again, as with answer choice A, as answer choice A correctly did. Mm-hmm. Answer choice C also pretends to show a difference between oil drilling and, and farming. Farm practice, yeah. 
but this is not an important difference. Right. It would be, you know, kind of like saying uh, you don't beat, you shouldn't beat your child because you wouldn't beat your dog. And then saying, well, children and dogs are different. I mean, dogs have long ears and children have <laughs> short ears. That, you know, that difference is not an important one. Yes. This difference is not an, an important, important one. one. Gotcha. All That's right. good. I like that. Good analogy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> D. Legislation governing new oil drilling has been has been much more thoroughly articulated than has that governing than has that governing new farms. I love the syntax of that sentence. That's just a fun way to write. Yeah. I think yeah, everybody should write more like that. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of fun in writing. I mean, there's in one the thing that the LSAT has a lot of. It's, it's fun, fun writing. It's fun. <laughs> um, or E, the country under discussion imports a higher proportion of the farm products it needs than it does the or the oil it needs. Again, we're not addressing the problem with the analogy. Yeah. yeah. D and E are very similar in that they may be pointing to some kind of difference between oil and farming, but it's not an important one. It doesn't matter to this argument. Let me ask you this: If I uh, I saw that 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 the guy hadn't addressed the the the, the problems in this mm-hmm. problem, but if, if if you if that hadn't been immediately obvious to me, then why would I have chosen A at that point? Well, just because it brings up this problem that I hadn't previously seen. Well, two things. Yeah. One is that it clearly deals with the analogy, with the analogy that we that know that the analogous. person yeah. did, and second, you can try this. Yeah, but schema. Mm-hmm. So the proponent says, don't be ridiculous. You might just as well argue that new farms shouldn't be allowed. And you say, yeah, yeah. but new farms don't involve a risk that that's like the oh, one run and by. And then you can sort of and see be, it kind what of would you want that's to say. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I like that. Cool. Number nine? If you're ready. I'm ready. What kind of question is number nine? Well, uh, which of the following, if true, is evidence that the explanation given above is only a partial one? Uh, that's, yeah, that that's shitty. That's different. <laughs> that is a very different question. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm not certain that I ever remember another question worded just like this. Maybe one other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're talking about like 3,000 questions this millennium and, and I can think of maybe one other like this. This sounds a little bit like this is a little but bit But what is happening here mm-hmm. is this is another weakening question. Oh. Okay. Because what's going to happen is one of the one of these answer choices is will show demonstrate us. that the argument's not great. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All, right. All, right. All right. So we'll take a minute and read the passage. Okay. For question nine, then what is the uh, main conclusion of this? The the first part, right? The running track with a hard surface makes for greater running speed. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that. The hard surface makes for greater running speed, according to this passage? Is because the foot isn't in contact with the running surface as as much. Yeah. yeah. So hard surface makes for faster conditions because your foot doesn't stay on the ground very long. Right. And we now have been asked to show that that explanation is incomplete. Partial, yeah. And the best way to do that would be to provide a more complete explanation. Yeah. Right? So another reason. Okay. So this is essentially a causal claim, right? Yeah, right. You want to weaken that, say, no, it's not that cause. It's actually this other cause. So as I read through the answer choices, I am looking for some other reason that a hard track makes you faster. Gotcha. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Sure. Answer choice A? Answer choice A. Dry running conditions can be guaranteed for indoor track races only. Uh, that shouldn't be relevant because where the comparison isn't about 
that it's about soft. It's about the surfaces that we're yeah, running. Yeah, hard on, versus right? soft. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so B in general, taller runners have greater average step length than shorter runners do. Again, I think this is irrelevant because what we're talking about is for the individual runner. Whether she is going to be running faster on a hard surface or a soft surface. Right. So that's that's the wrong comparison. See, hard tracks enhance the runner's speed by making it easier for the runner to maintain a posture that minimizes wind resistance. Now, this sounds like it's doing what you were talking about doing, which is providing additional evidence to support it. If Um, this is true and hard tracks make you faster by making your posture better... Mm -hmm then hard tracks aren't making you faster just, just by... Just because of the foot contact thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what that shows is either the explanation in the passage is just wrong, uh-huh. or at best, it is incomplete. Yeah. If C is true. Yeah. Make so, sense? Yeah, so I like C. Yeah. And so for completeness, let's get rid of D and D. Okay. The tracks at which the world's fastest running times have been recorded are located well above sea level where the air is relatively thin. <laughs> Again, it's just not addressing the argument. Oh, it's, you know what it might be attractive is it gives you another reason for people being fast. Oh, I got you. You know, but it doesn't give another that hard, hard surfaces, surfaces are it's faster not than soft yeah, surfaces. Right, right, right. Or E, to remain in top condition, a soft track surface requires different maintenance procedures than does a hard one. It's not about fastness what? on them. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what they're getting at there. I wonder if sometimes they're just kind of trying to throw you off with language. It talks about soft tracks and it talks about hard tracks, and maybe it's just yeah. that's, that it's talking about what's in the argument seems is enough for, to be tricky for some people. And they have committed to having five answer choices. <laughs> that's right. So okay. have something there. What are we putting for E? <laughs> I know. I know. I've got it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, good on nine? I'm good on nine. Then question ten. What's the question say? Goswami and Nordeki disagree. You know, I've been waiting for Goswami and Nordeki to get it together for so long, but they just can't seem it seems they like they're They can't seem all... to see eye to eye. They and can't... this is something that I've noticed that all of the arguers on this test seem to have in common. Uh-huh. They are obviously, um, they have very culturally distinct names. Uh-huh. And according to the LSAT, they never agree on anything. They never get along. Which makes you wonder this how LSAT test. feels about the possibility for world peace. <laughs> I suppose... You know, if, if only Goswami and Nordeki were more like Americans in the current political climate mm. and could get along really easily yeah. and, and comfortably. Who's to say they're not Americans, actually? <clears throat> Damn it. <laughs> I'm sexist and racist. <laughs> well, by the end of this podcast, you'll be fixed. <laughs> we only have one more question, so you better get to work. All right. Uh, so they disagree over something. Let's take a minute. We'll read their arguments, and then we'll talk about them. So what is Goswami's argument? Goswami's argument is that the uh, people are underpaid, and so they're doing the right thing by striking. All right, and Nordecki says? That that's just not true. They're, they're paid more than Goswami says they're paid. All right. And this won't necessarily come into play in answering this question, but do you notice that Goswami and Nordeki are arguing from totally different evidence? Y- Goswami's is about the, the workers at Aragon Foods, and Nordeki's about the striking workers at Aragon Foods. Uh, no, I think they're both talking about the striking workers. I thought he was talking about the more handsome ones. I thought he was saying he's no. striking. 
And that's why he makes more money, which would be a problem, I think. That was delightful. Thank you for that. You're welcome. No, Goswami says the majority of them make less than 20000 And then Nordecki tries to counter that with evidence about their average annual salaries. So if you have Ah, 100 workers Mm -hmm. and, you know... 98 of them make, make $18 a year and the last one makes a million. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, how you yeah. can... Gotcha. It, so we just we just don't know what um, Nordecki's evidence means about the actual salaries. Yeah, the you average know, Average yeah, doesn't right, tell right. us anything about the, about the actual about the salaries of those striking. Gotcha. It's pretty tricky. That is. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with answering this question, but it's worth pointing out because yeah. it's, it's recurrent. It's the kind we'll of thing you have to do on this test. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what do they disagree about? Answer choice A. Um, the average annual salary... Actually, I'm sorry. Before we even do answer choice A, yeah. what would you say they disagree about? Um, whether or not striking workers are underpaid. I agree. Okay. I agree. I mean, Goswani clearly says they are <coughs> underpaid, mm-hmm. and Nordecki says if pay is the issue, I disagree. They're yeah. not underpaid. Right. All right. Answer choice A. Uh, the average annual salary Aragon Foods is over $29,000. Since they're not talking, both talking about the average annual salary, that's not a thing that they disagree about. Yeah, right? we don't know. Goswami <laughs> might agree that that yeah. average is true. It's just that, yeah, so it really is kind of important to, to notice that yeah, difference yeah. because uh, otherwise it, it would really look like one of them was saying that the average, it might look like one of them was saying the average salary is 20000 the average salary is 29000 Right. In fact, in my first reading, which wasn't a very careful reading, that was what I read. Ah. So, uh, I mean, it was an important thing to point out that difference, I think. All right, good. Pay is the primary issue uh, over which uh, they don't seem to disagree about that. They just disagree about whether or not they are getting paid enough. Right. Does Does Goswami say why they're striking? No, not at all. Does Nordecki say why? They're, what is the primary issue they're striking over? No, it's not, not even there. a tiny bit. They mm-hmm. can't. We cannot say that they, they disagree, disagree about, about this. That. We don't right. know. No. C, it is reasonable to support striking workers who are underpaid. Uh, again, I, I don't think that they are because that's not – yeah, they're not disagreeing about that. Um, Goswami is certainly committed to that idea, yep. right? She is supporting the workers because they're underpaid. Mm-hmm. But Nordecki doesn't say you can't support them if they're underpaid. Nordecki says you can't support these workers because they're not underpaid. Right, right, right. So it may be reasonable for Nordecki to support workers who are underpaid. Right. Just not these ones Mm because these ones aren't. According to her, yeah. All right. D. D, the striking workers at Aragon Foods are underpaid. And there it is. That's kind of what we said, right? The first guy says yes. Second guy or girl says not so much. Yeah. Uh, E, just to finish it up, it was unreasonable for workers at Aragon Foods to go on strike. we don't. They don't have the evidence to support that in either instance. Right. Yeah. Goswami certainly supports them. Right. Thinks it was reasonable. Yeah. Nordecki would say if, if pay, pay is, is the issue, issue, it's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is not reasonable. Yeah. But maybe Nordecki would say, oh, it wasn't pay. It was vacation time mm-hmm. policy Working or conditions. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. And for this question, it's not just something they might disagree on or something that seems reasonable for them to disagree on. It is something that we can actually demonstrate. Demonstrate from the words that are on the page that we can point at with our fingers that they disagree it. Yep. But yeah. That's it. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, this has been delightful. Yeah. 
and I love you. Uh, it's been hard for me. It's kind of been a soul-searching kind of an experience. Well, I, I, we're going to get to that in just a second. But like, I just, just wanted to make sure that, that uh, well, again, I didn't ignore you. I heard you. I just, I just right now, I'm kind of there's this roiling spiritual thing happening with me, where in the course of four LSAT questions, I found out. Yeah, <laughs> but I said I love you. Okay, I and love you. You didn't too. say anything back. I'm sorry. I, I, I do love you too. Uh, apparently, I don't love women or people of color, but 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 I do love you. But you do now, though, right? I, I, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm fixed. I, I feel like like not only not only has this LSAT instruction given me better um, tools to to work with the LSAT, mm-hmm. but I'm also less racist and sexist. This is and this is free. You're telling me velocity. That's amazing. Changing lives. That's amazing. All right, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, and if you're enjoying the podcast please do give us a rating. It helps other people find us. And if you hate the podcast, again, I applaud your tenacity in listening to this point. Please uh, leave us a five-star rating then. (laughs) 